part three of the steel flea by nikolai leskov translated by isabel florence hapgood eighteen fifty one to nineteen twenty eight this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter fifteen the courier travelled so very swiftly with the left-handed man that they halted nowhere to rest between petrograd and london but merely drew their belts tighter at every posting station so that their bowels and their lungs might not get mixed up together but as an allowance of liquor at will had been appointed to the left-handed man after his interview with the emperor at platoff's instance he sustained himself on that alone without eating and sang russian songs all through europe making only a refrain in foreign fashion ay people c'est très joli as soon as the courier brought him to london he presented himself to the proper persons and delivered the casket but placed the left-handed man in a chamber at a hotel but there the latter speedily grew bored and felt a desire to eat he knocked on the door and pointed out his mouth to the servant who waited on him and the man immediately conducted him to the food reception room there the left-handed man seated himself at the table and sat and sat but how to ask for anything in english he did not know but after a while he found out again he simply tapped upon the table with his finger and pointed at his mouth the englishman guessed and served him only they did not always bring what he wanted but he did not take what did not suit him they brought him a hot studing in fire of their preparation says he i know not whether that can be eaten and he would not taste it so they changed it and brought him another dish and thus also he would not drink their brandy because it was green as though mixed with copperas but chose the most natural things of all and waited for the courier in the coolness behind the bottle-room and those persons to whom the courier had delivered the nymphosoria examined it at that very moment with the most powerful melkoscopes and immediately put a description in the public news so that an announcement of it might come to general notice on the following day and we wish to see that master workman himself at once said they the courier led them to the chamber and thence to the food reception room where our left-handed man had already grown fairly red in the face and said here he is the englishman immediately began to clap the left-handed man on the shoulder slap slap and on the hands as with an equal comrade said they comrade good master we will talk with thee hereafter in due time but now we will drink to thy success they called for a great deal of liquor and gave the first glass to the left-handed man but he would not drink first perhaps they wished to poison me out of vexation he thought no says he that is not proper etiquette even in poland no one is greater than the host drink first yourselves the englishman tested all the liquors in his presence and then began to pour out for him he rose crossed himself with his left hand and drank to the health of them all they noticed that he crossed himself with his left hand and asked the courier what is he a lutheran or a protestant the courier replied no he is neither a lutheran nor a protestant but of the russian faith but why does he cross himself with his left hand the courier said he's left-handed and does everything with his left hand the englishman began to be more amazed than ever and set to pouring liquor into the left-handed man and the courier and thus they went on for three days and then they said now that's enough but they took a symphony of water with air fix 
and having completely freshened themselves up they began to interrogate the left-handed man where and what he had studied and to what point he was acquainted with arithmetic the left-handed man replied our learning is single we can read the psalter and the polusonic but we know no arithmetic whatever the englishman exchanged glances and said this is astounding but the left-handed man replied that's the way with us everywhere but they inquired what sort of a book in russia is that polusonic that says he is a book concerned with this that if there is anything touching on fortune-telling which king david has not clearly set forth in the psalter then people are able to divine the completion in the polisonic they say that's a pity twould be better if you knew at least the four ordinary rules of arithmetic they would be far more useful to you than the entire polisonic then you would be able to grasp the fact that in every machine there is a calculation of powers and although you are very clever with your hands you have not taken into consideration that such a tiny machine as the nymphozoria is calculated with the most exact accuracy and that it cannot carry its shoes to that the left-handed man agreed as to that says he there is no dispute that we have not gone in for science but only that we are faithfully loyal to our fatherland but the englishmen say to him stay with us we will transmit to you great instruction and you will turn out a wonderful master expert but to that the left-handed man did not agree i have parents at home says he the englishman offered to send his parents money but the left-handed man would not accept it we says he are devoted to our country and my daddy is already an old man and my mother is an old woman and they are used to going to church in their own parish and besides i should be very lonely all by myself for i am still in the vocation of a bachelor you'll get used to it say they accept our law and we will marry you off that replies the left-handed man can never be why so because he replies our russian faith is the most correct and as the ancestors had believed so also should the descendants believe you do not know our faith say the englishmen we hold to the same christian law and the same gospels the gospels replies the left-handed man are indeed the same among all but our books are thicker than yours and our faith is more complete also how do you make that out because he replies we possess all the visible proofs what proofs these says he that we have god sent holy images and grave oozing heads and relics but you have nothing and even no extra holidays nothing beyond sunday and for the second reason even if i were married to an englishwoman it would confuse me to live with her why so they ask do not scorn her our women also dress very neatly and are good housewives but the left-handed man says i don't know them the englishman replied that's not a weighty matter you can learn to know them we will arrange a grandes vous for you the left-handed man was abashed why says he worry the girls vainly and he refused a grandes vous says he is a matter for the gentry and not suitable for such as me and if folks were to hear of that at home in tula they would ridicule me greatly the englishman became curious but if you don't have grandes vous say they how do you manage in such cases to make a pleasing choice the left-handed man explained to them our position with us says he when a man wishes to display a more particular intention with regard to a girl he sends the confabulation woman 
and when she makes the proposal then we go together very politely to the house and we look the girl over not in secrecy but in the presence of all her relatives they understood but answered that they had no confabulation women and such a custom was not in practice but the left-handed man said that's all the more agreeable because if you are going to occupy yourself with such a matter it must be with a definite intention and as i do not feel that towards a foreign nation then why torment the girls he pleased the englishmen in these arguments also so that they again began to clap him on the shoulders and the knees with pleasantness and asked we would just like to know out of mere curiosity what defect have you observed in our girls and why do you shun them thereupon the left-handed man answered them frankly i accuse them of no defect but what does not please me is that their dress sort of flutters about them and one cannot make out what they have on and for what purpose first there is some sort of thing or other and underneath there is another pinned on and on their arms are some sort of leglets or other their plush cloak is exactly like an ape a sapajou the englishmen burst out laughing and say where's the objection in that there's no objection replies the left-handed man only i'm afraid it would make me blush to watch and wait while she is getting herself out of all that is it possible say they that your fashion is better our fashion he replies in tula is simple every woman wears a roundabout even the greatest ladies wear our roundabouts they also showed him to their ladies and there they poured tea for him and inquired why do you frown he replies because says he we are not used to taking it very sweet then they gave him a lump of sugar to nibble at in russian fashion they argued with him that it could not be as nice that way but he said to our taste it is more tasty thus in no way could the english disconcert him or make him feel attracted by their manner of life and merely succeeded in persuading him to remain their guest for a short time by promising that during that time they would take him about to diverse factories and show him all their art and then said they we will take him to his ship and deliver him alive in petrograd to this he agreed chapter sixteen the englishman took charge of the left-handed man but sent the russian courier back to russia although the courier had a rank and was skilled in diverse languages they took no interest in him but they did find the left-handed man interesting and set about taking him everywhere and showing him everything he inspected all their products and their metal foundries and their soap and sawmills and all their domestic arrangements pleased him exceedingly especially those pertaining to the maintenance of the workingman every laborer among them is always well fed clothed not in rags but each in a capable everyday waistcoat and shod with stout boots with iron caps so that their feet might never receive any shock from anything and they work not at haphazard but after training and understand their business in front of every one of them hangs a multiplication table and close by his hand is an erasing board whenever an artisan does anything he looks at the multiplication table and verifies it with surety and then writes down one thing on the board and erases another and brings it into accuracy what is written in figures turns out just so in fact and when a holiday comes they assemble in pairs each takes a slender rod in his hand and they go off to enjoy themselves in honourably dignified fashion as is fitting the left-handed man gazed his fill at their manner of life and all their labours but devoted most attention of all to one object which caused the englishman great amazement 
he was not so much absorbed in their manner of making new guns as in the condition of the old ones he kept going about and uttering praises and saying and this also we can do but when he came across an old gun he would thrust his finger into the barrel draw it along the walls and sigh this says he is incomparably finer than ours the englishman could by no means divine what it was that the left-handed man was commenting upon but he inquired cannot i find out whether our generals ever beheld this or not they say to him some of them have been over here and they must have seen it but how were they says he with gloves or without gloves your generals say they are always in full dress they always go about in gloves and of course they did so here also the left-handed man said nothing but all at once he began to get uneasy and bored he pined and pined and said to the englishman i thank you sincerely for all your hospitality and i am very content here with you and all that it was necessary for me to see i have seen and now i desire to return home as speedily as possible they could by no means detain him longer it was impossible to let him go home by land because he did not know all the languages and it was not good to sail upon the sea because it was the autumn season and stormy but he insisted let me go we have looked at the burometer they said there is going to be a storm you may be drowned for this is not like your gulf of finland but this is the regular dryland sea that makes no difference he replied tis all the same to me where i die god's will be done but i desire to return to my native land as speedily as may be because otherwise they may acquire a sort of madness they did not detain him by force they crammed him with food rewarded him with money gave him gifts to remember them by a golden watch with a repeater and against the sea chill on his late autumn road they gave him a frieze greatcoat with a weather hood for his head they clothed the left-handed man very warmly and conducted him to a ship which was due to sail for russia there they installed the left-handed man in the very best manner like a real gentleman but he did not like it and was ashamed to sit shut up with the other gentlefolk so he went off to the deck sat down under the tarpaulin and asked where is our russia the englishman whom he asked pointed or nodded his head in the right direction and he turned his face thither and gazed impatiently towards his native land when they emerged from the harbour into the dryland sea his longing for russia became so great that it was impossible to soothe him in any way whatever the dash of the waves became terrible but still the left-handed man would not go below to the cabin he sat there under the tarpaulin pulled up his hood and gazed towards his fatherland many times did the englishman approach to invite him to come below to a warm place but he in order that they might not annoy him even began to fend them off by means of a lie no he answered i feel better outside but under cover the rolling of the ship gives me porpoises thus he never went below the whole time until a certain occasion and thereby greatly pleased a certain half-skipper who to the misfortune of our left-handed man was able to speak russian this half-skipper could never overcome his amazement that a russian landlubber could so withstand all rough weather fine fellow says he russian let's have a drink the left-handed man drank and the half-skipper says again so the left-handed man drank once more and they became tipsy and the half-skipper questions him what secret are you carrying from our kingdom to russia the left-handed man replies that is my affair if that is so replies the half-skipper 
then let's make a bet after the english fashion the left-handed man asked what sort of a bet this sort that neither of us shall drink anything alone but always together evenly what one drinks that the other also must drink without fail and the one who outdrinks the other wins the left-handed man reflects the sky is clouded my belly is swelling i am greatly bored the way is long and my native land is not visible beyond the waves twill be more merry to make this wager good says he done only it must be on honour don't bother yourself on that score so they agreed and shook hands on it chapter seventeen their wager began on the dryland sea and they drank until they came to dunamond on the gulf of riga but they always kept even and did not yield to each other and they kept so accurately even that when one of them gazing at the sea beheld an imp crawling out of the water the same thing instantly revealed itself to the other only the half-skipper beheld a red-headed imp whereas the left-handed man declared that he was as swarthy as a moor the left-handed man said cross yourself and turn away here is a friend from the abyss and the englishman disputed and declared that it was a sea-puss if you like says he i'll toss you into the sea and be not afraid it will give you back to me immediately and the left-handed man replied if that is so then throw me the half-skipper took him by the slack of the breeches and carried him to the rail the sailors saw this stopped them and reported to the captain and he ordered them both to be locked up downstairs and that they should be given rum and liquor and cold food so that they might eat and drink and carry out their wager but hot studing with fire was not to be given to them because it might set fire to the spirits inside them and thus they were brought in confinement to petrograd and neither had won the wager from the other and there they were placed on separate carts and the englishman was carried to the house of the ambassador on the english quay while the left-handed man was taken to the police station and from that time on their fates began to differ greatly chapter eighteen when the englishman was brought to the embassy they immediately summoned to him a medical man and an apothecary the medical man ordered him to be placed in a warm bath while the apothecary instantly rolled a gutta-percha pill and thrust it into his mouth and then they took hold of him and laid him on a feather-bed and covered him with a fur coat and left him to sweat and that no one might disturb him orders were issued throughout the whole embassy that no one should dare so much as to sneeze the medical man and the apothecary waited until the half-skipper had fallen asleep and then they prepared another gutta-percha pill for him laid it on a small table by the head of his bed and went away but the left-handed man was tumbled down on the floor of the police station and asked who are you and whence come you and have you a passport or any other tugament but he from illness drinking and the long pitching on the ship had grown so weak that he answered not a word but only groaned then they immediately searched him took his motley garment off of him and seized his money and his repeater watch and the inspector ordered that he be taken gratis to the hospital by the first cabman who happened along a policeman led the left-handed man out to place him in a sledge but for a long time he could not catch one because cabmen shunned the police in all this time the left-handed man lay on the cold pavement then the policeman caught a sledge only without a warm lap-robe because on such occasions cabmen hide their lap-robes in the sledges under them in order that the policeman's feet might get chilled the more quickly so they carried the left-handed man uncovered 
and when they began to shift him from one sledge to another they kept dropping him and when they picked him up they tweaked his ears to bring him to his senses they carried him to one hospital but there they would not take him in because he had no tugament they carried him to another and there also they would not receive him and so also at a third and a fourth they dragged him about until morning dawned through all the most tangled and distant ways and kept shifting him incessantly so that they completely wore him out then one assistant medical man told the policeman to take him to the obikoff hospital for common people where they receive all people of unknown rank to die there they ordered a receipt to be given and the left-handed man to be set upon the floor in the corridor until he should be examined but at the same hour on the following day the english half-skipper rose swallowed the second gutta-percha pill ate a light breakfast of chicken and rice drank airfix and said where is my russian comrade i will go and seek him he dressed himself and sallied forth chapter nineteen by some wonderful means the half-skipper found the left-handed man rather speedily only they had not yet put him to bed but he still lay on the floor of the corridor and complained to the englishman i must say a couple of words to the emperor without fail the englishman hastened to count kleinmichel and made a row how can they treat him so he has a human soul says he even if he has only a sheepskin coat for this bit of reasoning they immediately chased the englishman away because he had dared to mention the human soul and then someone said to him you had better go to cossack platoff he has simple feelings the englishman got at platoff who was now reclining on his couch once more platoff listened to him and recalled the left-handed man certainly my friend says he i am very intimately acquainted with him i have even tweaked him by the hair only i know not how i can assist him in his present unhappy plight because i am now entirely out of the service and have received full pension so they no longer respect me but do you run quickly to commandant skobelov he is in power and also experienced in this sort of thing he will do something and the half-skipper went to skobelov and told him everything what the left-handed man's illness was and how he had contracted it said skobelov i understand this complaint only the germans cannot cure it but some sort of a doctor of the ecclesiastical vocation is needed here because those fellows have been reared on such examples and they can give aid i will immediately send thither the russian doctor martin solsky but when martin solsky arrived the left-handed man was breathing his last because he had cracked his neck on the pavement and could utter intelligibly only these words tell the emperor that the english do not clean their guns with brick dust let them not clean their guns so among us otherwise god preserve us from war they will not be fit to fire and with this assurance the left-handed man crossed himself and died then martin solsky immediately went and reported this to count chernyshov in order that he might announce it to the emperor but count chernyshov shouted at him stick to your emetics and cathartics and don't meddle in what is none of your business we have generals in russia to attend to that and so they did not tell the emperor and this mode of cleaning continued down to the very date of the crimean campaign at that time when they began to load their guns the bullets rattled about in them because they had been cleaned with brick dust then martin solsky reminded count chernyshov of the left-handed man and count chernyshov said go to the devil you windbag don't meddle with what does not concern you or i'll deny that i ever heard anything about this from you and won't you just catch it martin solsky reflected 
he actually will deny it and so he held his tongue but if he had reported the left-handed man's words to the emperor in season the war with the enemy in the crimea would have taken quite a different turn chapter twenty and now all this is a matter of bygone days and traditions of the olden times albeit they are not so very ancient but there is no need to make haste to forget these traditions in spite of the fabulous style of the legend and the epic character of its principal hero the actual name of that hero like the names of many of the greatest geniuses is forever lost to posterity but considered as a myth personified by popular fancy it is interesting and his deeds may serve as a memorial of the epoch of which the general spirit has been faithfully and accurately caught of course there are no longer any such master workmen in tula as this fabulous left-handed man machines have evened up the inequalities of talents and gifts and genius is not eager to struggle against industry and accuracy machines while favourable to a rise in wages are not favourable to artistic enterprise which formerly exceeded measure inspiring the popular fancy to the fabrication of legends similar to the one in hand workmen naturally understand how to prize the benefits which have accrued to them from the practical adjustments of mechanical science but they allude to the days that are past with pride and affection this is their epos and it has moreover a great deal of the human soul about it end of part three recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of the steel flea by nikolai leskov translated by isabel florence hapgood eighteen fifty one to nineteen twenty eight